بسم الله بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وله أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته. How's everybody doing? الحمد لله. So today, inshallah ta'ala, we are beginning the first hadith, the first hadith of Imam al-Nawwi's Arba'in, rahimahullah. And the first hadith is on the authority of Amir al-Mu'mineen, Abu Hafs Umar ibn al-Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who said that he heard, I heard, sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I heard the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Which means that indeed, actions are only by intentions. وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِّ مْرِئٍ مَا نَوَى and that each person, each man, but it's, you could translate it as person, will have uh, what he intended. فَمَنْ كَانَتْ هِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ فَهِجْرَتُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ So whoever made hijrah and uh, migration, and as we know the Prophet ﷺ, they were making migration from Mecca to Medina, whoever made migration for the sake of Allah and His Messenger ﷺ, um, then his then that that is exactly what he's going to get his reward for. He's go, then therefore his migration was for Allah and His Messenger. Uh, and if his hijrah, if his migration, was uh, to receive something, to achieve something from the dunya, or to marry a certain woman, then his hijrah is for whatever intent that he had. So this hadith has so many. Transmission. It's been recorded in so many uh, books of hadith. It's, been, it's in Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, An-Nasai, Ibn Majah, Muslim, Ibn Ahmed, At-Tahawi has recorded, uh, Dar Qutni, uh, Ibn Khuzayma, Ibn Hibban, Ibn Asakir, Ibn, Ibn uh, Al-Jarud, Al-Bayhaqi, Abu Awana, Abu Naim, and others. SubhanAllah. It's just so many, so many people have narrated it. And so the natural question is, is it mutawatir? A mutawatir hadith is a hadith that's been transmitted by so many different chains that it just becomes um, impossible to think that so many different people could have agreed on a lie. So, have, are, all, are all the various chains, does it make it mutawatir? And the answer is actually no. And the reason is because even though there are so many chains, all of the chains go back to the root of first Umar ibn al-Khattab, who actually he in total has 530 ahadith that go back to him. So subhanAllah, he narrated many, many ahadith from the Prophet So they all, all the roots go back to Umar, and then uh, Al-Qama ibn Waqqas, and then Muhammad ibn Ibrahim, and then Yahya ibn Sa'id. And then after that, it must have been the case that Yahya ibn Sa'id, he narrated to so many students, because then the branches go out and out and out from so many different uh, branches. So because the beginning of that uh, chain is just you know uh, the same four people because of that it is actually considered to be gharib or uh, you know a, a, one, a hadith that is that has one chain of transmission even though later on it has many many different chains of transmission so then the question would be do muslims accept ahad narrations do we accept narrations that come from one chain and the answer is yes and this is something that imam al-shafi'i uh, uh, talked about in his famous uh, book called al-risala in which he talked about uh, the evidence that we take uh, a single transmission. And the evidence is based on the fact that the Prophet ﷺ would send people to different cities and tell, them, tell that one person, you were going to go and teach the deen. So if this person is going to go to a city, just one man, and go teach the deen of Islam, let's say sending, uh, uh, whether it be Ali ibn Talib or Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen, for instance, or wh- whoever it may be, 
uh, 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 or Musab ibn Umair, let's say, uh, uh, radiallahu anhu, to Medina, but when the Prophet was still in Mecca. All of these are examples of the Prophet sending one person to transmit his teachings. So that means, clearly, if the people can't say, oh, you're only one person, I can't accept a narration from one chain directly from the Prophet you know, that's not acceptable. No, of course it is. Why? Because the Prophet mandated it himself. Therefore, Imam al-Shafi'i very brilliantly proved that we as uh, Ahlul Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, we as Muslims following the, the Sunnah of the Prophet we uh, do take single narr- like a, a narration that has one chain, so long as the chain is authentic. So I hope that's clear. Um, yes. This hadith, subhanAllah, is very, it's an amazing hadith, which Abu Dawood and Imam al-Shafi'i, they say it's half of the deen. And oftentimes when you hear somebody say something like that, you think, oh, this is an exaggeration. You know, half of it, you know, oh, it's just such a great hadith, it's like half of Islam. No, they explain themselves. They actually say the reason why it's half of Islam is because one half of your entire deen is external, what you do. And the other half is internal, right? So there's, we could be doing a bunch of actions, but that's only half of the story. The other half of the story is, well, what's going on internally? Am I doing it sincerely or insincerely? Am I doing it for the sake of Allah or for the sake of showing off? So half is external, half is internal, and this is discussing the internal realities of our deen, which is This is talking about the intentions. Imam al-Shafi'i, he words it a little bit differently. He says this is half of knowledge because one half of knowledge is external and the other half is internal. Like basically the external part is what you can talk about, what you can say and transmit. But then how does that interact with you? What do you believe about it? What do you think about it? How do you feel about it? This is all internal. So uh, subhanAllah, these are very beautiful quotes. And in fact, uh, Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi, rahimahullah, he says, Man arada an yusannifa kitaban he says, whoever wants to author a book, let him begin with the hadith that actions are by intentions. Why? Why is this such an important hadith to begin with? Uh, well, uh, because you want to have the right intentions when you start something big, right? We, starting this series, we have to ask ourselves, why am I coming here? Why did I start coming to this class? Even myself, why am I teaching these classes? Is it just convenient? Is it just for the sake of fun? Is it just because I'm bored? What is the intention? So it makes so much sense that we really check and analyze why am I here? What is my intent behind all of this? And this is why uh, Imam al-Nawi himself, he starts with this hadith, rahimahullah, as well as Imam Bukhari, the, his uh, Sahih Bukhari, it begins with this hadith about intentions. Now, in terms of what is the context? We know that when we talk about context uh, uh, regarding Qur'an, we call that asbab al-nuzul, the causes for revelation. But with regards to hadith, we call it asbabu wurud al-hadith. What was the cause for narrating this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ shared it? And so it's a bit contentious. Some people say this, uh, this narration is correct. Others, they, they have some disagreement about it. But wallahu alam, it seems that this hadith could have, may have occurred because uh, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, uh, was talking about or that the people were discussing a certain individual who wanted to make hijrah just because he wanted to marry a woman named Umm Qais. Uh, 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 anha. Umm Qais uh, said to him, I'll only marry you if uh, you make hijrah and if you come and live in Medina. So he went for that intention. So, Allah, uh, so the Prophet is then saying that your actions are by intentions. Perhaps realizing that subhanAllah, you'll have such reward if you make this big hijrah for the sake of Islam, then subhanAllah, then inshallah, you know, the, the residual effects of that are going to be so great down the line. All the sadaqatul jariyah that's going to come from that. Make sure you do this big deed, establishing Islam and f- making the foundation of Medina and then expanding outwards. All of that, you want to make sure your intention was right. 
So, subhanAllah, that's one, in, uh, one uh, opinion about this matter. But some, they, some people, uh, some ulama, they, they, they argue this and say, no, it's possible that this, this happened, but the Prophet ﷺ didn't actually address this man in particular. He was just making a general statement. So anyway, this is an interesting discussion. The question here is, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ إِنَّمَا is يُفِيدُ الْحَصْرِ It indicates uh, uh, restriction. So, like, it basically means only that actions are only by their intentions. A'mal means your amal is an action, a'mal is actions. The ba here is really questionable. What does the ba here signify? So there's two opinions. That actions are only by intentions or with intentions. Is it ba al-musahaba? As in your actions are accompanied by intent? Every action is accompanied with an intent? Or is it ba'as-sababiyya? That the only reason you can even do an action is because originally it had a root source. It had a cause, which was intention. That, that's where your actions come from. They come from the root source of your intent, your irada, if you will, or your niyyah. Uh, and, um, and that actually brings us to another interesting uh, discussion. And so both statements are true. You could translate this as actions are accompanied by intentions or actions are caused by intentions. These are two ways of translating this narration. Now in terms of the word niya, meaning intention, um, is there anybody named niya here? No? I, I used to give a talk back in... Anyway, there was, there was, sometimes I'd be giving a talk and there was two people named niya. I was like, subhanAllah, it's an it's a interesting name and subhanAllah, just interesting that two people are, have that same name, subhanAllah, in one halaqa. But anyway... Um, aniya means intent or intention. Uh, it is it is not to be confused with, for example, irada. Ana uridu, I want. Uh, irada means your uh, uh, your uh, desire, your will, what you want, your intent, your purpose, your choice, etc. Uh, and it's sort of an uh, all-encompassing umbrella term. Underneath that, the concept of irada falls niya, which is your intent. It is what you have within your ability, or sometimes you have an intention that is even outside of your ability, but you still have the intent to do it in this present moment. Therefore, it is your niya. However, that is different than your qast. Your qast is uh, uh, your purpose, your objective. There's more uh, uh, seriousness behind it. And this is your objective, something that is within your ability that you want to do in the present moment. That is your qast. I want to do it right now. It's my purpose, and it's something that is within my ability. It's something that I'm very serious about. And then even stronger than that is the word azm. Azm is your resolve, your determination. And that is the strongest form of having your, you could say, the strongest form of irada. Like the umbrella term is irada, meaning your want or volition or whatever. The strongest form is an azm, where you are determined to do something, you have resolution to do something, and oftentimes it points to the future. As in, I, am, I have the resolution to do, have this long-term goal to accomplish bi-ithnillahi ta'ala. Now, there is a question here in the first statement, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Is there any sort of taqdeer? Is there anything that is mahdhuf? Is there anything omitted? Is there anything that is understood or sort of implied by this statement? And it seems that, you know, some uh, scholars will say, no, we, we try to avoid that as much as possible. But to be perfectly honest, it seems that the answer is yes. And the simple reason being uh, that the statement, if you take it 100% literally, uh, you could say it's incorrect. And that seems a little bit odd, right? Because if you say all actions are by intentions, then you could say, no, there are some actions that are involuntary. When you're asleep, if you're rolling around in your sleep, did you do that by intention? The answer is no. So someone could say, if you take it extremely literally, then I found a fault in it, right? So uh, one way that we uh, deal with that is to say, no, no, try to understand the intent of the language. There is something implied. And what is that? It is to say that 
uh, and in fact, by the way, this is well known. The Prophet ﷺ was clear about this when he said, uh, that the pen is lifted from three different types of people, the sleeping person until he wakes up, the minor or the child until they reach maturity, and the insane person until they recover uh, and come to their senses. So th- clearly, the Prophet ﷺ is acknowledging that people do actions without intentions. So then how do we understand it? What is the omitted sentence? How do we understand the sentence? It could be understood as the soundness of actions are dependent upon intentions, like the sound, it being full and correct. For it to be correct, it has to have the right intention behind it. It could be the completeness of actions are dependent upon their intentions, or it could be, and this is probably the most popular one, the most um, widely accepted one, the reward. The reward, good or bad, the reward of your actions depend upon your intentions. It's not just that actions are based on intentions, but the reward of those actions, whether it be punishment or whether it be reward in, with uh, you know, uh, paradise, the, it is dependent upon intentions. So yes, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ And then the next sentence is, وَإِنَّمَا لِكُلِمْ رِئِمْ مَا نَوَى And uh, 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 for every single person is what they intended. What do you mean for them? As in the reward for them or the consequence for them in the akhirah. Uh, Allah Ta'ala's either reward or punishment, it's going to be for whatever they intended. Now you could say that the second sentence is just re-emphasizing the first sentence, like Allah, the Prophet is just saying it in two different ways. However, it seems a stronger opinion is that the first statement is talking about just human nature. The, this is the Basababiya one, saying what? That the source of every action starts with, of, uh, specifically accountable actions. Not just any actions, because again, you're not accountable for when you move in your sleep. But the source of all accountable actions are what? Intentions. Every time you intend something, then now you can... Uh, at the end, inshallah. Every time you intend something, then inshallah you will be accountable for it, either with go- uh, good uh, reward or with punishment. And this is letting us know that, look, all of your actions, they, they, are, they can be rooted back to an intent that is either good or bad. So pay attention to your intentions. Don't just be on autopilot. That's the first statement. The second statement is as a result of that, as a consequence of that, each person will be recompensed, will be either rewarded or punished based on what he intended. So you can look at it, these two sentences as, instead of just re-emphasizing the same point, as building upon each other. Point number one, don't just think that you act for no reason. Your actions have intentions. Everything, everything that you do that is actually either uh, you know, accountable is either going to come from a source of good or a source of evil. So pay attention to what is motivating you. You do have motives, it's a fact. So what is motivating you? Pay attention to it. That's the first statement. The second statement is why? Why should I pay attention to it? Why should I be so concerned about where the root source is tracing to? Is it tracing to good or evil? Why? Because Because for every person, they're going to receive as a reward or punishment based on what their intention was. So subhanAllah, it's really quite beautiful when you really go into detail and break down these two statements. They, are, uh, they have a, you know, a powerful meaning within them. Yes. So, this is a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. When we do something, why am I doing it? Again, coming back to even this lecture right now. Why did I come here today? Right? Why did I, let's say myself, personally prepare this talk? Right? Am I doing it out of habit? Am I doing it out of a sense of obligation? Am I doing it because I came here with a firm intention to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Did I come here with the intention to learn something and benefit? Did I come here, suhba saliha, to be in the uh, company of, inshallah ta'ala, uh, you know, the believers? Am I here uh, because I just want to catch the salah? There are so many different intents. 
And, and subhanAllah, we could go around the room, I mean, nobody can zoom into your heart, right? But theoretically, I mean, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can know and look at each person and see a wide variety of different intents. And so we need to be the ones that check our own selves. Obviously, we can't go around checking everybody else. It's impossible anyhow. People can say whatever they want. <laughs> well, my intention is this. Okay, great. <laughs> what was your intention behind saying that, brother? <laughs> you know what I mean? So you can never really know. Ultimately, you can only check yourself, Right? So ultimately, we always have to be, and this is really, the, the beauty of this hadith is that it's training us to have a certain presence of mind. And it's such a beautiful idea to be the type of person that always has presence of mind. No matter what you're doing, you're always fully focused on the task at hand, right? Instead of, you know, you're allowing your thoughts to jump from here and there. Oh, I remember a funny thought that happened a week ago. Oh, I'm worried about something that's going to happen in a month from now. Oh, I'm thinking here. And, and your mind is all over the place. Train yourself. To be the type of person that is here and now saying, what is my intent? You know? And you'll see, you'll see it in people. You'll see people that, you know, not to pick on anybody, but it might, it might get a little awkward here, but just as an example, you'll see posture change, right? You'll see people's focus change. You'll see people take out notepads. You'll see, you'll see visible changes when people say, wait, what is my intent here? And then they say, let me straighten up. Let me really focus. Let me, you know, let me get serious, right? And you'll see it in the eyes. And subhanAllah, this is not just, I'm not just doing this selfishly so that you pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm saying this is what our whole deen is about. Be present in the moment. This is what khushur is all about. Why do you think you pray five times a day? Training yourself to be present, having Allah Ta'ala in your mind, knowing that Allah is watching you and seeing your every action. What is, what is the idea? So that you have that presence of mind with Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala even outside of salah. And that everything you approach, you have that same intent and that same clarity of thought. No matter what you're doing. You could just as a habit wake up in the morning and make breakfast for the kids. Yeah, here, here, all the kids are hungry, they're screaming, oh, just quickly make something, here, done. But if you actually tell yourself, this is my family, I love my family. And I want to feed them. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward me for every time I put food in their mouth. So I want to do it with ihsan. Because I know Allah Ta'ala loves when I create an environment of love and I know that I want to raise these children to be good believers and to be strong believers and to worship, use their energy to worship Allah and to learn about this deen. I want to, you know, and when you start thinking like this, subhanAllah, just something as simple as making breakfast, it's like, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, a, like paradise on earth. You've turned your whole kitchen into a, <laughs> into a rawdah min riyadh al-jannah, you know? You've turned it into a garden from amongst the gardens of paradise, uh, subhanAllah. So the idea is you can transform with intentions something so small and make it so big, something so mundane and make it such a big deal. That's the expression, al-farq bayn al-'adah wa al-'ibadah al-ba' yani al-bismillah. So, so there's, a, there's an expression that says the difference between adah, which means a habit, and ibadah, which means worship, is the ba'. The ba represents bismillah, as in the intent of with the name of Allah, uh, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in mind. But at the same time, technically, when you write ada and you just add a ba, you have ibadah, right? So there's just a difference of a ba. So it's just a clever expression that people say. But it also has a deep meaning. That I don't want, when I pray my salawat, for it to be ada. I don't want it to just be, you know, business as usual, just a habit. I want it to be ibadah, so I need to have Allah ta'ala in my mind when I'm doing it. Khair, inshallah. By the way, this hadith, that every action, it's coming from a, a, an intent, and it's going to be re rewarded or punished based on its intent. This as well applies to inaction. So it's not just about what you do, it's also about what you don't do. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ mentions, this is a Bukhari hadith, that uh, when the Prophet ﷺ was going on a certain ghazwa, a certain expedition, he said, Indeed, there are some people in Medina 
that are behind us, they, they, they stayed back in Medina. مَا سَلَكْنَا شِعْبًا وَلَا وَادِيًا إِلَّا وَهُمْ مَعَنَا فيه. That we don't cross a single mountain path or a valley, but they are with us. With us, يعني how? In reward. They are with us in the ajr. Why? حَبَسَهُمْ الْعُذْرِ Because what held them back was a valid excuse. In other words, they had the intention to be on this ghazwa. They had the intention to climb each of these valleys, or climb, you know, climb, go through these valleys, and up these mountains, and down these hills. They had intention to be part of all of this. And the intent is enough for them to get the whole ajr of the entire trip, and the whole battle. Subhanallah. So this is not just إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ That whatever uh, your actions, uh, the intent behind your actions, but even your inaction, the intent behind it, inshallah ta'ala, there is reward. Now this is true of... Now, when it comes to this issue, there's so much fiqh behind this, this, this hadith. There's so many different uh, masail al-fiqhiyya, like so many different uh, issues and questions that come up. I'm not going to cover, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> subhanAllah, it would take all day to cover all of them. But I'll just cover a few points. Like, for example, when it comes to ibadat, you have to have the intention, right? So, for example, if you pray your salah and you don't even know what salah you're praying, right? You, you don't know if it's a nafal or if it's a farad, then no, you have to know I'm praying the obligatory of, of, let's say, dhuhr or asr. You have to have the intent, right? You can't just say, Allahu Akbar, and just go with it and think that that's sufficient. You have to know what you're doing. Same thing with wudu, all uh, the jumhur, the three madahib, it's only the, the ahnaf, the only the Hanafis that say that no, water by itself purifies because they take from the ayah of Qur'an where Allah says that water is purifying and they say, see look, the ayah says that water is purifying. That means it does it even without your intent. So it's an interesting way that they're taking the ayah. MashaAllah, it's a very beautiful, um, uh, uh, you know, um, you could say extraction from the ayah. But it seems that the majority opinion is that no, you can't just jump into a pool, come out and say, hey, look at that, I have wudu. No, you have to, you had to have intended when you were in the water to be making wudu. And perhaps the most clearest example is uh, fasting. You can't, let's say, just not have food the entire day and then the sun goes down and you're like, hey, you know what? I didn't eat or drink the entire day. I guess I get the reward of fasting. You know, and then you, you, you say, oh, let me, grab, let me grab a date and you break your fast and say, look at that, I got the whole ajr. No, you have to, from the beginning of the day, have intended to do fasting. Now, that's true of ibadat, of worship. You have to have the intent in mind. But when it comes to mu'amalat, it's not the same thing. When it comes to daily actions, like for example, we have to have a thawb with no najis on it to pray salah, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, I washed my clothes by throwing them in the washing machine, but I didn't have the intention of purifying it for salah, therefore it's not considered valid. No. Whether you had the intention or not, as long as the clothes were clean, then when you pray, inshallah ta'ala, they're valid for clothes. Why? Because it's not a particular ibadah, it's just a technical issue. Technically, does the, does the clothes have filth on it or not? If not, don't worry about the intent. It's not on it, so it's okay. Same thing with a debt, right? If I owe Brother Ahmed $100, right? Intentionally, I give him the money, great. Let's say by accident, I don't know, I'm play, making paper airplanes with $100 bills, right? And I'm just shooting them around. And $100 goes and floats to him, and he grabs it, and he goes, alhamdulillah, I, you know, and he takes it. Then I can, he can't tell me, listen, you didn't intend for this $100. I'm taking it. Because you owe me a hundred, but you didn't have the niyyah behind it. Therefore, I needed a second hundred. No, look, the hundred was paid. I know it's a really weird example. I apologize for such a, such a bizarre example. The point is that the hundred dollars was paid. So whether my intention was there or not, the fact is, is it's done. Because it's mu'amalat. It's just, it's not about ibadah. So, wallahu ta'ala alam, this seems to be the case. When it comes to ibadat, we have to make sure that our intent is solely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Entirely for Allah Ta'ala. Even if you have secondary intent, even that secondary or tertiary intent has to eventually be traced back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So for example, if somebody made hijrah because it was the right thing to do at the time of the Prophet 
the right thing to do. The Prophet was saying the Muslims need to go to Medina, so he goes to Medina. But at the same time, he's thinking, you know what, there are some business opportunities there. I can make some money. And you know what? Inshallah, maybe I'll meet a righteous woman and I'll be able to get married as well. But if ultimately your idea is, look, ultimately it's for Allah and His Messenger. I'm just thinking of ways to also benefit worldly because, I mean, I have to live, right? That does not negate the, 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 the greater intent, the umbrella intent of for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because ultimately you want to work for the sake of Allah. You want to work in a halal way to provide for yourself and your family. You want to get married because it's, it's a sunnah. And nikah min sunnati, right? The Prophet says that marriage is from my sunnah. So ultimately it all has the umbrella of for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That does not negate it. However, if you have a secondary intent that actually it has, is void of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a problem. And uh, uh, Allah ta'ala says in a hadith Qudsi, uh, uh, that I am the one who uh, does not stand in need of any partners. If anybody does anything in which he associates anyone else with me, I shall abandon him and his blasphemy. Whatever shirk he does, all of it is thrown away. You can't do something with both intentions, right? Like I said, all of it, whether, whether you have multiple intentions or not, even all those multiple intentions have to be ultimately for the sake of Allah. Is that clear? Inshallah ta'ala, hopefully that is clear. Everything has to go back for, the, for ultimately the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, if you don't know the ruling behind something, if you get involved in business and you don't know, you never, you never studied the fiqh of business, if you get involved in marriage and you never studied any fiqh of marriage, if you get involved in any action and you don't know the fiqh of it, can you say, well, I had good intentions, yes or no? No, no, it doesn't make any sense. But why? Because carelessness by default is bad intent. You can't say that, oh, I don't know the ruling, I never took the time to figure it out, I'm completely careless about Allah's deen, but at the same time, I have pure intentions, brother. Doesn't make sense. If your intentions are truly pure, what will, what will you do? You'll research the matter and find out, Ya Allah, I, I, I'm doing this to please you. Oh, wait a second, I have to find out if it's halal. Ya Allah, I'm doing this transaction to make money so I can provide for my family in a halal way. I want to do good things. Oh, wait a second, is, it, is this transaction halal? I have to find out. True good intentions are always going to lead to finding out the fiqh perspective on this. Why? Because that's the external factor. If you do an action that is not upon the, uh, you know, the sharia or the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, then this is going to be rejected. That is the external reality. The internal reality is internally for the sake of Allah. You see? So these are the two halves. It has to be according to or within the, within the boundaries of the sharia, within the boundaries of the sunnah. And in, that's externally. And then internally, it has to be fi like with the intention of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you have proper intentions for a bad deed? Let's say, for example, a brother says, you know what, I know I went to the club. And I know in the club there's, you know, scantily clad people. People are not dressed properly. And there's alcohol flowing. And there's so on. Oh, the whole environment is haram. But you know what, I was there to, you know, have good conversations and try to guide people towards good, you know. Da'wah, da'wah, brother. The excuse for everything, right? It's da'wah. It's the excuse for everything. Khalas. Brother, you know, you shouldn't be talking to the assistant. Da'wah, bro. Don't worry about it. It's da'wah, bro. It's all good. 